This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, I'm Margot Rose. I was Eileen in the Inner Light on Next Generation, and you're listening to Trek FM. Welcome to another cup of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your host, Justin Ozer, and join with me today are Richard Marquez and Amy Nelson. Richard, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic today. That's I feel good. like we've been doing this all day. <laughs> well, yeah, we have a special episode that we'll talk about in a moment here. But Amy, how are you doing today? I am doing great. Watched some good movies over the weekend and ready to talk about them. Yet more hints of what we'll be talking yes. about. Excellent. <laughs> well, and we have a little invasion from the 23rd century from the Standard Orbit crew. We have Ken Tripp, Zach Moore, and Haley Stoddard. So, Ken, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me aboard. Looking forward to doing the show with you guys. Excellent. And Haley, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Excited to be here. First time for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, welcome to Earl Grey. Thank you. <laughs> and Zach, how are you doing? Oh, doing great. It's always fun to come over here and talk some TNG with you guys. Excellent. So, if you haven't guessed, we're having a crossover with Standard Orbit. It's the six of us, and we'll be talking about some movies. So if you haven't already, please go back to the uh, Standard Orbit episode from yesterday. I guess it's not required, but it's a lot of fun if you haven't listened to it. Standard Orbit 221, where we talked about the best uh, TOS and TNG movies. We talked about Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, and we also talked about uh, Star Trek First Contact, and we had a great discussion there. And today on Earl Grey, we are talking about the worst TOS and TNG movies, generally accepted to be at least. That would be Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, and Star Trek Nemesis. And Amy, of course, doesn't agree. We'll get into that. I do not agree, and I have bones to pick about it, but we, yes, we'll talk about it. We we, we know, we know. Amy, listen, we went to Trek ranks, okay? (laughs) And this is what they... (laughs) I went to IMDb, actually, and actually, Nemesis only beat out uh, Insurrection by a bit, but it was Nemesis, sorry. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) What was that last movie? <laughs> I know, no, it doesn't <laughs> exist for you. <laughs> so many inside jokes. All right, so that's what we'll be talking about today. And what I wanted to start out uh, by doing is to get everyone's initial thoughts about these two movies, generally considered to be the worst, but I'm sure we'll find some good things about them, right? Uh, so let me just first start off with Zach. So, Zach, what are your kind of general thoughts? We'll get into the specifics about these two movies. Well, Star Trek Five, I, I remember like going to the store with my parents and 
buying it on VHS and watching it with the other ones. So it wasn't like a big... I, I, I get why people who had been watching the Star Trek movies at the time, the theaters, were like, okay, one, two, three, four, they keep getting better, this is great. And then five comes out, and they're like, whoa, this is different. To me, it was just another tape on the shelf, you know? So it they, they all kind of meshed together. Um, I didn't see the distinction at the time when I was younger. And then you get older and you start talking to other people like, oh yeah, Star Trek V, <laughs> well, that's the worst. I'm like, it is, is it? Is it? And and when you take a step back and you're like, okay, I can see that there's there are some shortcomings of this film. And I would 100%, I 100% agree with the general consensus that it's the worst of the TOS movies. But there's still a lot to love here because I, I feel like it's really it really recaptures an episode of the original series in a way that none of the other films do. Uh, you have a great character interactions. You have somebody hijacking the Enterprise, looking for you know God. I mean that 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 sounds like a wacky third season episode of the original series, if there ever was one. And it's very enjoyable. So you know, even though it's the worst, I have an affinity for it. Nemesis. Growing up a TNG fan, this was like supposed to be our Star Trek six. You know, the the generation's final journey begins, and unfortunately, I find it to be kind of a half baked rehash of the Wrath of Khan. You know, they they hit on a lot of the same things. Uh, they have a fight in a nebula, you know, they, you know, et cetera, et cetera. We'll get into the nitty gritty here. Um, Data was my favorite TNG character. Disappointing to see his end. Uh, and just, it, it felt like just kind of didn't feel as, it felt tired. You know, it just felt tired. And I was not the biggest fan of Nemesis. Uh, and I do, and I also agree that it's the weakest of the TNG films. All right. So those are your general thoughts. Uh, Richard, what are your thoughts? Um, I I can't remember the last time. I, I can't remember the first time I watched uh, The Final Frontier. I think, it, it, just like Zach, I think I went into Blockbuster, you know, the store that doesn't exist anymore, uh, and just uh, watched it because um, it, was, it was Star Trek. Um, but um, when I saw Nemesis, I think it, what, it came in 2002. I was in the Army, so I never saw it until many years later because i mean i like i said i was in the army at that time and i didn't have time yeah i mean uh, both are equally in- enjoyable for their rank but okay yeah <laughs> i'm not gonna go any further i don't want to i don't want to do what i did last time and just say hey this is the great movie no <clears throat> so <laughs> yeah th- this this before i go into the next person this episode may be an interesting challenge because i hear the less excitement and enthusiasm that we had in the <laughs> episode so far so on that note, Amy, what are your uh, general thoughts? I agree uh, with The Final Frontier being the worst of the TOS. I definitely enjoy the other movies much, much more than I do The Final Frontier. I like The Final, Final Frontier. There's definitely some parts in it that are very enjoyable, um, and there's some good themes in there that I think we can all take, and, and it shows you know, the Star Trek philosophy in some parts. Um, but if I look at the TOS, it, it definitely for me is the one that I would not go to. Definitely the motion picture. I really enjoy undiscovered country, uh, you know, so there's definitely those that are above final frontier. So I can agree that it is the bottom out of those movies. So I think it's justified in talking about that with it being the worst of TOS. However, I 100% 
disagree that Nemesis is the worst of the TNG movies. I would put Insurrection and Generations at the bottom way before Nemesis. Like there's times when I actually prefer Nemesis over First Contact. Um, You can send me the hate mail later. I love... Stunned silence follows. (laughs) I love Nemesis. I think there is so much good in it. There's so many good themes and I just, the action and the philosophy and the characters, and I really, I really do love everything about Nemesis just as much as I love everything about First Contact. So I find it difficult that we're lumping this as as one of the worst TNGs, and I completely disagree. You're going to hear it over and over again. I apologize, but that is how I feel. And it's great to have that different perspective because you don't hear that much, right? So, so that's good. And and also, I mean, we're putting it in as the worst just based on like generally accepted ratings. But I hear what you're saying, and and I'm going to structure this in a way that we're going to try to bring out the good things as well in both of them. Uh, so, Haley, your general thoughts? Oh, geez, you're going to follow Amy. <laughs> Oh, boy. <laughs> Thought it might be interesting. I she should have been last. <laughs> yeah. Uh, overall, I can see both the negatives and the positives in both of these films. I think they both have things that generally most Trekkies and most people who watch the films don't like. I think there's generals that everyone can agree on in both of them. But for me, overall... If someone said, here, you've got to pick between these two films, which one would you watch? It's it's going to be five for me, um, just because there's just there's too much in Nemesis that I just I don't like. Okay. But there's a lot that I do like, too. So. Mm-hmm. All right. OK, that's fair. Ken, your thoughts. I really wouldn't want to be Haley right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, it's funny because both kind of went down a similar trail. I, I'm aligned with Amy. I don't think Gen- um, <laughs> Nemesis, Genesis, <laughs> I don't know why that's on my head. Uh, Nemesis is the worst, um, but it's, it's certainly not the best of the TNG movies. Uh, the Final Frontier is the worst of the original series movies. And <laughs> it's funny, we've been talking a lot lately on Standard Orbit about Star Trek Five, we had a, uh, I don't know, it was only three weeks ago, we had, it was like watching my mom fan dance was the name of the title, which <laughs> was a great title. But similar things happened for both movies, right? I, I remember going to the theater to see Star Trek Five. Hopefully some of you guys have seen it in the theater, don't know. But I, it was 1989 at the time. And uh, I, I just coming back from my honeymoon to go see it and was really excited to see it because... You know, we just had um, the second season of TNG, and TNG was just really trying to, it was just starting to find itself. You had uh, the 20th anniversary movie in Star Trek IV, huge, huge, huge success. And I'm thinking, you know, they're installing seatbelts. I didn't realize it was to keep us from falling out more than leaving the theater. <laughs> but it was it, it was just a giant thought at the time, right? When I first saw it, it was I was so disappointed because my expectation was way, way up. And that is the same way I went to see Nemesis, the the same expectations, because uh, Insurrection was not a good movie in my book. It it was, it, it just really let me down. So I was thinking, okay, we're going to come back. We're going to get back into space. We're going to we're going to have a little action. We're going to have a plot line that, that that has some substance to it. 
And a lot like Star Trek V, it had some great ideas, but the execution didn't work, and I was equally disappointed, especially because I love TNG, and I love that crew, and I really wanted them to go out in style, you know, something spectacular like Star Trek VI, and it just didn't happen. So it's it's kind of funny. You look at both movies now, and, you know, you look and you watch them, you see more positives than negatives, I think, than we did in the past, uh, but... You know, for both movies to me were like, ah, my expectations were so high. And maybe it wasn't realistic, but that's what they were at the time. And it just, they, they just didn't meet them. Okay. Yeah, for, for me, so I didn't see Star Trek V when it came out in the theaters or Nemesis. I saw them, you know, some years later. And I think my initial impression of Star Trek V was being very disappointed. I mean, I'd heard all the buildup, like this is the worst one. And I was like, oh, this just confirms it. It's it's the worst. But more recently, I've gone back and watched it a couple of times. And I'm like, hey, there's some there's some really good stuff that I'm really enjoying in here. It's probably still the worst, but I'm appreciating this more. And actually, the same thing happened with Nemesis, which Amy will be happy to hear about. I would never put it over First Contact, but I found a lot more to enjoy and appreciate in that movie when I've watched it more more recently, and I think we can get into that. Actually, what I want to start out with, since we're talking about this as the worst, and I'm sure we'll get into the stuff that we don't like about it, I want to start with something a little bit different. The first thing I want to start with is to go around and ask everybody something that they love about Nemesis. So, Zach, you want to start? Sure. I know it's a challenge. That was a pregnant pause. (laughs) (laughs) I I hope he doesn't say the credits. Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) You know what? I I really like uh, Brent Spiner singing Blue Blue Skies. You know, that's, that's, uh, he's actually a very good singer. He's got some, uh, some, some couple albums that I enjoy. That was cool to see Data sing. I like. I'm not kidding, guys. This is hard. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna spit my water out. (laughs) All right, it's 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 okay if it's just one small thing. Well, okay, but I I just wanted to to try to like start out with something. No, no, you're right. You're right. right. I I um I I I do like the moment when uh when when they're all remembering data at the end, and they're like to absent friends, which kind of calls back to Star Trek Three. Uh, but also, it's a, it's it's a very human moment, and you feel sorry for the characters in the fact that Riker is struggling to remember what Data was whistling, you know. Uh, and for me, that just that that scene actually really struck me because I'm like, you know what? That's true. That they don't go rewatch their adventures like we do, it's right? Been that, fifteen it's been years, fifteen right? years. How is he going to remember? He's like, well, what was what was that whistle? What was that tune? I can't remember. And I'm like, man, did that? And it just felt like a, an uneasiness to it all. Like, man, that's that strung very true to me. Um, even though I, you know, I didn't like how Data died. I did, I did like the aftermath of it with with the characters. They were truly mm-hmm. shocked and just didn't know what to do with themselves. And um, and I, you know, and and, it, and as silly as it is and ridiculous, I I, I do like them finding B four, like when Data's like, it appears to be an arm, and Worf's like, it's very astute, and 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 even B four's <laughs> like, why does the tall man have a furry face and all and all this silly stuff? It's stupid. It's silly stuff. But I did laugh at it, <laughs> so I mean, it got its job done. So those little moments, and uh, you know, I'm being a little facetious with my crazy pauses, trying to think of it. I mean, the, and the score, right? Jerry Goldsmith again, great score. Uh, you know, he always delivered with Star Trek. He never phoned it in. So I believe that uh, was another win for Goldsmith, and this being his, let's see, his fifth Star Trek score to do, and just as good as the rest. So yeah, those are you know, when when, when you ask me that question, that that's what comes to mind. 
Okay. No, that's that's excellent. Richard, what do you love about Nemesis? Um, Every <laughs> single part of the entire movie when Wes is not there. <clears throat> there well, we you know, that's almost all the movie. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's like all the movie. I mean, <laughs> practically. I mean, no. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to go with that. Um, what Zach was saying, the, the scene um, where they're remembering uh, uh, data. Uh, uh, honestly, uh, yeah, first contact, you know, what we were saying, it, it brings a tear to your eye. This one really did. For for me, it did. And uh, it was like, oh, man, um, it, that's 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 heavy. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I just, I mean, it's by far one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite scenes. So, or at least that, that is, even though it's a sad scene. So. I would say the battle, but no, no. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Haley, you've had a few minutes to think about this. Tell us what you love about Nemesis. Uh, I think one of my favorites is the dune buggy in space. I, you know, I know some people rag on it, but really when you, when you think about it, why would you not have something? Why are we always walking? Like, you land <laughs> and they're always walking. Like it's always like, and it's not just like a short distance. It's always like super like far. Kilometers. Like really? <laughs> Why would we not have something that would, that would get us there faster? Like if, if we can't transport in exactly where we want to go. <laughs> what? So I love that. I think that's, um, and I do enjoy Picard's uh, best man's beach. I think that's probably so heartfelt for the cast and crew, uh, those are probably my favorite moments. Oh, excellent. Amy, you'll just have to keep it to a couple things for this part. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, what do I narrow it down? Okay, I will try to be quick. I No, you can say more about what you love later. It's just a couple things now. Okay, well, I'm surprised. Guys, I love the whole theme and the whole idea and the whole philosophy of being better than who you are. I love that. That to me is so essential Star Trek. I love the interplay between Shinzon and Picard. And then that's paralleled with Data and Before. Like how people keep missing that. And maybe they miss it intentionally. And they, I, I don't know. But I love that parallelism that we see in the movie. And I love the bringing in of Romulans. And then this different Remans, you know, and how that's interplaying uh, between the the you know the juxtaposition that we've seen versus in the series and now to the movie and the Romulans actually coming to the Enterprise aid, I love that whole thing. I love Shinzon taking over uh, the Romulan Council. I love oh, oh gosh, I love of course the Troy and Riker and their wedding and then the interplay that they're gonna have on Beta Z and where, yes, we will all be naked and it's, it's not appropriate and I'll be in the gym. And uh, I was waiting for that scene later. And you've got <laughs> the bridge, Mr. Troy. I mean, just... Mr. Troy is good. I like that. Yeah. I mean, there's so many good things. I love how Troy comes back and finds the uh, scimitar through her telepath. Like she's taking that, she's twisting it. She's using it to her advantage, and that really shows her strength. There's, okay, so I'll just, I love the score. It's amazing. It's all very, very, very good. I love the, 
the scorpions <laughs> when they're going through and you know data and picard are escaping the scimitar i totally love that i love the battle in the nebula and they realize oh our uplink to starfleet's being distracted and then that's when they know they're going to get hit i love when data flies over and saves picard that oh okay all right I think you should have limited Save it some a few for minutes. Ken and me. <laughs> yeah. I know well, you should have gone. You should have put me last. Well, thanks yeah. for the movie synopsis. I do yes. appreciate it. <laughs> Amy loves the, the Wikipedia entry of Star Trek. No, Wars. it's great. I yes. mean, I, I love your enthusiasm for it, Amy, because that's a perspective we may not have gotten with anyone else who's on here. So, <laughs> okay. So, Ken, something you love about Nemesis? I, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it moderate. A uh, couple of things that I, I did like. I, I thought the the opening scene in the Romulan Senate was pretty powerful and scary, and that it was going to real. It started off really well, and that that kind of lifted the expectations pretty high. Um, from that point on, uh, the music was pretty good, and uh, I thought the, the the score played well. I, I thought that the um, the Enterprise E, you know, the uh, the aesthetics of the um, the movie was was pretty solid. You know, a, a lot of the things that, that Amy was talking about, I could see how people could enjoy it and like it. You know, everybody has a different lens on things. I guess as, as a lot of the things that you were starting to talk about, Amy, in my head, I'm going, and this is why I don't this and don't that. And then it's it's not right. It's just, I don't know why we have to be antagonistic of these things. But, you know, overall, uh, like I said in the beginning, there was a lot of good ideas in, in some aspects. There was also a lot of poor execution. But I thought the, the best scene in the whole thing, to me, was the space battle in the nebula. I thought it was... Um, great looking. It was you, you didn't have those kind of effects too often in Star Trek, and you know, not that I always live for the battles, but that was a pretty good one. And when the other ships showed up, and even ramming the ship, I thought the effect was was pretty cool. Um, I don't know if that can actually happen in space. It's another question, but it still was was a great scene. Um, so yeah, there, there's 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 uh, you know, it's like Darth Vader. There's there's good in him. <laughs> Yeah, well, actually, you guys have named a lot of, lot of things. I actually won't add anything else because I think you guys covered a lot of what I actually. We'll talk about more of what I. I'm I sure Amy could add Nemesis. some more. <laughs> <laughs> I do have issues with it, which we'll talk about. But no, that that covers it. So what I wanted to do, to give it some equal time before we really get a little more into the comparison, is talk about the final frontier and the things that you guys love about it. So maybe we'll go in reverse order. So Ken. Well, I, I like the dynamic of the of the big three and, and the family element of the of the whole movie. I think that they they played that very very well. It was probably the best part of it. You know, the, the camping scenes, both at the beginning and at the end, I, I thought were pretty solid. The um, the effects were not good, but <laughs> there was the uh, we, you know we we talked about uh, in our episode not that long ago that. Uh, uh, I really loved the lounge, and I loved the scene that took place there when they were talking about the pain and so forth. So, I, and I and I thought Lawrence Luckenbull did a great job in portraying Cybok. I thought his acting was was phenomenal, and they had some really good um, elements of the film in in terms of how it was how they captured certain scenes, sunsets, the the horse riding scene in the beginning. I, I think that's that's kind of the the two things that are very similar about the movies. They both started out really, really well, so your anticipation was was really built up. So uh and and the music in this movie, phenomenal. Haley, what are your thoughts on the things you love about Star Trek Five? You know, 
kind of agreeing with Ken. I love the family aspect of it. Um, I I enjoy that. Yeah. I don't, I just, there's, there's too much in it. I love the camp scenes. I know everyone just rags on it and stuff, but I love that camp scene at the end. I just, I think that's one of my favorite endings for one of the films that, that moment right there for me is one of them that seals it. All right. Excellent. Amy, things you like about Final Frontier. Um, I really, really enjoy the don't take away my pain and that whole idea that the, that, you know, that's what Cybok is doing. I'm not quite sure I buy into how he's doing it and stuff, but I mean, I look at, you know, painful things that have happened in my life and how I respond and yeah, don't take away my pain. I, I like that theme that uh, it brings up in the movie. That's probably my favorite thing uh, from The Final Frontier. I, I like the uh, camping scenes, and definitely you. this is a movie that's Kirk, Spock, and Bones completely. And I like that, you know, Kirk is, well, I'm going to die alone. And, oh, I thought I was going to die. Well, you weren't alone. You know, so that sort of interplay that you see the relationship between those three is very strong as well. Okay. Richard, things you love about Star Trek V. But like, I mean, this, one of the, just like I'm echoing everyone, basically, I love the, um, I need my pain scene. That's one of my favorite scenes out of all of it. I mean, it's very, to me, it's very Star Trek-y, sort of, like you're, you're, you know, you, you wouldn't be the person that you are without it, and to remove it would just basically, you know, like date, like you're like data. You delete your, you know, dating protocol. I mean, it's just you have to have it in order to in order to make those kind of decisions for the for the person that you are. So, I mean, that scene is my favorite. I also love the camping scene. Um, I really wish there there are times when I'm camping with my daughter and I make jokes like that, and she's like. Huh? <laughs> so it's like, oh, she, you need to watch more Star Trek. <laughs> you try so, to roast some but, marshmallows with her, is that? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, she didn't even understand what I'm saying. They're marshmallow, uh, mar- marshmallows, Dad. I know. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, all right, fine, whatever. I'll just leave it there. So, um, but yeah, uh, those those are by far my uh, favorite scenes out of that whole entire movie. So, okay. And Zach, things you love about the Final Frontier. Yet to reiterate what most of y'all mentioned, the, the I need my pain scene. That's one of my favorite scenes in Star Trek. That's like that's like a life lesson that I learned from Star Trek or like that I keep with me from Star Trek. Like you, you think about like, what are things you take from this franchise? That, and then and that's that's a great one. Like, I need my pain, right? The things that make us who we are, the, carry, the things we carry with us. And that, that is so true. You know, we, uh, so that, that is like an existential truth from, from this film. So that anything that has to do with Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, you know, you put these three guys together, the three characters, three actors in any situation, I'm going to love it. You know, them camping is great. When they're on the brig, it's great. When they're running around the ship, you know. I, uh, it, when they're on the, on the planet at the end, you know, what does God need with the starship, right? That's, that, that's an iconic line. You know, people will say that, and, and a lot of people know what you're talking about. Like, you could see that on a T-shirt. You know, what does God need? With, in fact, <laughs> I'm going to go find a T-shirt that says that and buy it soon, if it, if it exists. <laughs> um I just, I, I, I love that, and you know, there, there are some, some weird things to get to those certain scenes and moments. Okay, like I'm not gonna, I don't ignore that, but when you're in them, you enjoy them, and 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 even the, uh, 
the, the side characters, you know, like Chekhov, a little moment, right? But he gets to be captain for, you know, a scene or two. So that's cool. And, uh, you know, Scotty, I don't, you know, I don't, I guess I have a thing for just stupid humor in these movies. I don't mind when he hits his head on the thing. I thought it was funny. He's like, I know the ship like the back of my hand. He hits his head, he falls over. I'm like, ah, Scotty. It's ironic, but I don't know. Uh, it's just little moments, and and I I do very much enjoy the film overall, even though I do rank it last in the two S movies. Okay, I, I want to add a couple of things. I mean, this builds a little bit, but I I've come to really love the humor in the movie. I mean, there's some hilarious stuff in Star Trek Five that every time just gets me really laughing, and I love that. But one of the things that I I really like is that. Like in a certain way, Cybok is presented as the villain of the movie, but really in the end, he's somebody that is trying to help other people and sacrifices himself to to save other people. So he's really not evil or like one dimensional or like a villain. And I like that there's that kind of layering to to his character. I I especially enjoyed that the last couple of times. It's not like this is pure evil that's gonna like try to kill you to the ends <laughs> of the earth, you know? So no, that's that's a great point about Cybok because he is not a evil guy with a doomsday device, right? He's a guy with a mission which, you know, comes into conflict with other people in his way, but ultimately he's trying to do a great thing and he's 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 an what is he? He's an antagonist, but he's not a villain. Uh and he's he's a just a, a he has a different philosophy and that why that's why he comes to conflict with the other characters. Yeah. Well, and what I enjoy as well is that it's like he has this mission and he's going to take the means he needs to get past the galactic barrier and to find, you know, shockery. But as soon as he does, he's like, Captain Kirk, now I need you to command this and let us know what to do. And I love that because you would never see that in a one dimensional villain where it's like, ah, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> you know? What are you like, talking about, so. Justin? <laughs> Hmm. Well, maybe, hmm. but there are but there are other villains that have their obsessions. Yes, Khan. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, all right. But no, that, I th- thought it would be really interesting to talk first about the things that we might love about these two movies that are considered to be the worst. So the next thing I wanted to talk about was the story of the two movies, um, and so kind of talking about them whether you like where they go where they go with the story or whether could have been better executed i mean i'm sure we might say that for some of these but but just kind of general thoughts on the the story um so haley let me start with you on this one <laughs> oh okay <laughs> um you know yeah i i i have issues with the whole overall story i i agree with what amy was saying earlier about like you know being the best we can be and being a better self and better version of ourselves, But at the same time, I really just don't buy the whole Shinzon clone of Picard, younger, genetically going to advance age 30 years in like the blink of an eye. I no, like. <sighs> so you have a problem with like the whole premise of. Yeah. Of I mean, I get, I enjoy the fact that like, you know, it's, it's the Romulans that wanted to do this whole and and that very first when he's telling Picard about why they created him, that is really great. But then afterwards, it just that loses me. And yeah, with five, I I get that people don't like that that this is a story about God and religion and and all that stuff. But if you watch a lot of TOS episodes, 
And even some later episodes in TNG, there still is that element of of religion in Trek, whether it's overt or it's it's very quiet and you don't really notice it unless you're really paying attention. So with that, I that story I can believe and and agree with more than the overall story of Nemesis. I just sorry, Amy. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Amy, maybe I'll go with you okay. next. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I remember to talk about both. It was a hard time holding that in. Okay. Um, okay, so Final Frontier, when I watched it, I didn't understand the story at all. Like, I couldn't follow it. I was like, okay, so here's Cybok, and he's trying to get to Shockery because he believes that it's the god or something he's he's had a, he's had a vision that that's where he's supposed yeah. to yeah and so he's gonna take over this planet and bring in a federation starship to go get it like i it didn't even make sense and then don't get me started about this klingon that has absolutely <laughs> nothing to do with any of this like it's like a sub subplot and and then all of a sudden it's god but then it's not god like, the story got me so confused. I liked the little gems and the, yeah, don't take away my pain. What does God need with it? I get the whole God thing. I liked that part. But the story that gets us there is completely not well told, not well thought out. And it just, I was lost from the very beginning where you've got Cybok coming up to this bald native person of this planet and i just i didn't that whole thing it, kirk said it he's a charlatan like what are you doing what is this psychic what are you trying to do and how am i reliving my pain and and what is it that what powers do you have is this the vulcan mind meld or something like it just didn't make any sense for me on that okay final frontier but, but we know that the Maybe you don't even have to say it. The the story of Nemesis works for Perfect. You. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. 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 All right. Okay. So, and I was thinking, like, we've seen, yeah, God stories a lot. That's It seems to be a trope. But, like, with Nemesis, have we seen a clone? And to me, Shinzon is very... Yes. Okay, we have. Multiple times, yeah. Okay, well, okay. Well, not in a movie. <laughs> but, like, Shinzon, I mean, he's trying, he's got the support of, you know, this underclass that we know as Romulans and Remans. So he's got that support. He's being, uh, you know, he just brings up his people. He's going to, he overthrows Romulus and now he's going to overthrow the Federation. Like, it's very grandiose. Yes, it's it's very villainous. But to me, it works. And then to add this layer that he's a clone. So, yeah, he's not really human. He's not really Riemann. Like, what is he? And he's curious to know his history, as I think so many of us are. And so I really think that that story is so believable and then you've got, yeah, his secondaries telling him, um, why why are you delaying? Let's get going. We need to go, you know. But his curiosity for Picard is just so strong. I mean, sort of like the Khan character. He gets obsessed with Picard, you know, just as Khan gets obsessed with Kirk. And so it sort of derails the whole situation. It's it's 
similar. And so I, I think the story in Nemesis totally makes sense to me, and I don't see any holes or flaws in it. All right, then. So I'm going to go to you next, Zach, but I think you had some news that you've been able to find that, that shirt. Yeah, so I was looking online. Um, <laughs> I was listening to everything you were saying, by the way. Right. But <laughs> while you were talking, I did find the What Does God Need with a Starship shirt. I'm going to look into it after we're done podcasting here. And uh, maybe, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll get you all a T-shirt. We'll see. So Patreons, I, we need your support. <laughs> I, I expect you all to wear it at Star Trek Las Vegas this year. So, <laughs> um, well, Amy, so, so yeah, I, Zach, Zach, your thoughts on the stories? Yeah, so Amy, I can I can speak a little bit to what you're saying. I do understand, like the whole like be better than you are. That is what it means to be human. That that's a good message, like out of this context of this movie. The problem is though, like Shinzon cannot survive without killing Picard and getting all his blood. So to me, that kind of like nullifies the whole conversation like and, and you know I, maybe there's a different way to look at it but for me like well he's either gonna die or he's gonna kill picard and take all his blood also he decides to go destroy earth which makes no sense he should he should want to destroy romulus because they're the ones that screwed him over not earth earth i mean he just happens to be human because the romulans cloned picard and he grew up on you have, you have a counterpoint. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, but he's already <laughs> taken control of Romulus. Like he's already got control of the Senate. So like that—that's our already happened. So he's already in control. So yeah, but why, then why would he go destroy Earth? That because point? of the Federation and the the backstory that we have with the history between Romulans and the Federation. Like it. Just but he hates sense. Romulans. So why does he care? I mean, that, my, my, that's anyway. Okay. That's a that's a that's a pitfall for me. Okay. Uh, because because it's like we got to destroy Earth in every single movie, even the JJ movies. It's like we got to oh, we got to watch out. We're going to Earth. I'm like ah, oh, can we stop? Can we just have an adventure in space? So that's an issue for me. Uh, the whole like, and you know what? I don't mind the Tom Hardy shaved his head uh, as Shinzon, you know, and looks like a Reman. That's it's like okay, cool. He identifies with these people, so he's gonna look like them as much as he can. Shave his head. That's fine. Huge problem. Talk about retcons. Talk about retcon. Well, the last episode, we have a picture of Picard of the Academy. And he's shaven head. It's like that is such like okay. And that's I'll, Tom Hardy in the picture, Tom, right? Yeah, it's Tom Hardy in the picture. <laughs> and it's like literally they could have turned to the cameras like it's everybody paying attention. Did everybody get that? Is it the same guy? <laughs> like we Picard didn't go bald until like way later in life. I mean, we've even seen that on screen. He and, could have had a shaven head year. Uh, the Academy. It's like, well, uh, <laughs> but still, it's Tom, it's clearly Tom Hardy. Yeah, so that's very <laughs> distracting as well. So it's just just little things like that. Um, again, the, the way they handle Data, uh, why did we have to kill him? You know, uh, with B four. I don't understand this argument either. He okay, th- this, made this the movie. final <laughs> sacrifice. That is what. Okay, I'm sorry. I'll stop. But, no, it's fine. It's fine. But this movie, and you say it's very similar to Star Trek 2. You're right. It's a ripoff of Star Trek 2 because we're gonna have we have the main villain who's a, who who's been cast out on this side planet and his revenge built up in his heart and soul for years. Right? He gets command he he of another ship, uses it to fight you know his his obsession captain guy in a nebula where nobody else can come help him. Meanwhile, you know we have we have. Sp- Data putting his Katra into B9 so he can survive after he sacrificed himself at the end. You know, I'm just like, it's it's very A to B and and it just invites those comparisons. And that's the problem. You know, like if it were more different, I wouldn't say, you know what? I've seen this all before and it was better then. But the battle has four ships instead of two. Oh, you got, you got me there, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> so, so and yeah, so that's my thing. And then, and then, you know what? Here's another random thing since we're talking about things. But like, why is Worf here, right? 
first contact, Worf, fr- brilliant way to bring him in. He's on the Defiant. Yeah. It was that ship was built to fight the Borg. It makes sense. Richard has brought his headgear back from the last episode, <laughs> but that makes perfect sense for Worf to be there. And then all the all this stuff is going down in first contact. He just becomes part of the crew. Insurrection. I I do applaud them for just them completely like ignoring it. He's like, Mister Worf, what the hell are you doing here? He's like, Well, actually, oh, excuse me. And like he doesn't, he gets cut off. I laugh at that. Apparently, I, I just realized how much I like the stupid humor in these Star Trek movies. I guess when we've had these conversations. <laughs> but, but but Nemesis, right? Deep Space Nine had established he's going to go be an ambassador with Martok on Kronos. I'm like, that's cool. Deep Space Nine did so much great character development with Worf. And next time we catch up with him, he's just getting drunk at the wedding, manning the cat tactical station. I'm like, well, can we have some I don't think diplomacy was the thing for Worf, and he just went back to what he was doing. But it is a step back for his character. Well, yeah, and I'm sure he was invited to a wedding. Oh, oh, I, see I was just about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, take that with the orb, okay? We're the standard over here. We have no, we have no dog in that fight, right? So it's like, okay, and then we have Wesley show up at a table for like at that table for like five minutes. I'm like, whoa, whoa what? I thought he was off to be a traveler. What is he doing here? Yeah, I understand I that he's that there. Scene in my head. I'll give you that. <laughs> so like, I understand why he's there for the fans. Like, oh look, it's Wesley. Being as they are, the fans of Wesley, right, Richard? But <laughs> I, I don't know. So all these little things and and okay, you have problems. With so the there we go. I'm nemesis. sorry. I'm sorry. There, that, that's no, that's my okay. take. Don't want to go off that's, on a rant there, but that, that's your take. But but you know, best everybody else. So what about uh, Star Trek Five? Oh, the... Star Trek Five is perfect. There's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Okay. No, no, Amy's no, head just exploded. <laughs> no, no, no. Right. Thank, thank you for getting me back on track, Justin. Thank you. Um, Star Trek Five. There are problems with it. The Klingon subplot is is nothing. It's as generic as can be. Um, the whole plot with the ambassadors on Nimbus Three is kind of like here. Here's a here's a huge plot hole. He needs a ship to come to Nimbus Three. Didn't they not just drop off a Romulan ambassador like five minutes before? <laughs> There's a plot hole for you. Um, the special effects are very weak in Star Trek Five. It's not a deal breaker for me, I guess, because you know. It, well, look at the original series special effects, right? But yes, there's a huge step down from all the other Star Trek films. Um, the the humor does, although I do laugh at it, like it seems to me they learned the wrong lesson from Star Trek Four. Like, oh, they love humor? Well, let's put more jokes in because Star Trek Four was a fish out of water. It was organic. Star Trek Five is more manufactured humor. Um, and then even even the the climax of everything is is it's it's cheap, you know. And let's let's be honest about it. Like they had grand plans of all these things, rock monsters and all that. But ultimately, it's you know after Cybok, which I you know feel like is a is a nice end to his character. He sacrifices himself to save the other ones because he realizes the error of his ways and all that. How he's gonna you know led these guys into, into trouble. But then after that, we have like this overhead projector alien floating around <laughs> shooting lasers, <laughs> and it's 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 not impressive, you know. Um, so those are some weeks. And, he, and he's doing all these weird moaning noises. Like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so weird. And then you get random stuff like Uhura and Scotty. Like, where did this come from? Yeah. Uh, that's weird. And then and then making Sulu and Chekhov look like really inept. Like, oh, we just got lost in the forest here. Like, little stuff like that. I, un- unnecessary. So, yeah. So Star Trek V has its problems as well. It's equally, equally opportunity complaints here. So there you go. Okay. All right. Richard, your thoughts on the... Stories of the two movies. Man, I don't even feel like I need to say anything. I mean, pretty much, <laughs> they just covered everything. I'm like, um, yeah, they're good TV or they're good movies. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, I I really think that it, they're a mismatch to compare because I see them as two different movies. 
I mean, I, I mean, I've always I've always seen as uh, the Final Frontier as a more of a Star Trek movie than than a lot of a lot of the ones that are, that are out there. Nemesis was, yeah, uh, I'll go with Zach. It is, it, I mean, it is kind of a ripoff of the Wrath of Khan, but at the same time, it's it's more action and and all that. Whereas like. The movie that shall not be named is probably more comparable to the Final Frontier, um, mainly because of um, you know its inner reflection more than anything else. That's all I really have to add to it because you guys already basically covered everything. So it's like, all right, never mind. Sorry, I went too long. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. A lot of interesting points. Zach never Ken, does that on standard order. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, you know, when you have, well, Ken, Ken, Ken and I have been doing a podcast with just two people for a long time, so you got to fill up time. Yeah. All right, you understand? <laughs> we still go an hour and a half. Yeah, it's a, it's incredible. <laughs> so Ken's been waiting very patiently. Your thoughts on the stories of the two movies? Yeah. Well, you know, the um, well, I'll start with the Final Frontier first. It, it was a. It was, you know, Shatner came up with it. The, the whole the whole god subject it got watered down tremendously from what he really wanted to do which would have been extraordinarily controversial but it probably you know would 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 probably be having much more discussions about it i i think the the the, the times that, that this movie was made you know you had a lot of cults going on you know you had jim jones um, branch davidians um you know you name it uh going on at that time and and I, I found that they took it in a more Star Trek direction. I, I felt that as much as it didn't execute, it kind of fit Star Trek. And, and Nemesis doesn't. And I can kind of summar, summarize that a little bit better. Nemesis has all these little plot points all over the place that never really add up. Um, it, was a, it was a string of vignettes that they put together to try to come up with a movie, and it didn't execute well. That, that's how I look at it. And if they wanted to make it a real Star Trek movie, the, 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 the principal piece when I thought it was a great scene, by the way, is when Shinzon and Picard are having dinner, right? Because we don't know really what's going on here. And they talked about, you know, going in another direction and the possibility of, you know, I, I thought it was a great conversation. I was into it. And there was a part of me that was saying, okay, if this was real Star Trek, Shinzon would align with Picard, and they'd fight a common enemy, whatever that was. And that's not what happened. They took it to the whole revenge thing. I've seen it a thousand times. It wasn't believable. It was ridiculously slow. I mean, if he needed Picard to live, he only had 27 chances to get him before he escaped. And and, and that's why it was like, it just didn't work. And, and the whole thing with B4, I hated it because... It just didn't make data, sacri- data sacrifice worthwhile. They they had a backup there the whole time. It was poorly performed. And, you know, they completely, completely just destroy and break the prime directive when they go down to that planet. As much as you like the dune buggy, I've never seen an away party go down there and just go, oh, just shoot them. Screw it. <laughs> <laughs> They're chasing us. It's a pre-warp society. We're on their planet. But you know what? Just kill them. Okay, that's st- there. There was not a lot of Star Trek in Nemesis. There was a lot of Star Trek in The Final Frontier. Neither one executed very well, in my opinion. But that was the most frustrating thing because I get very emotional about Nemesis because I wanted that movie to be the send off, and 
the the plots and the uh, like I said, all the little vignettes that they put together in in Nemesis just made it a mess. The poor execution, the the plot lines in the Final Frontier, it wasn't as much of a mess, but it was messy because they couldn't, you know, whether it was the acting or whatever. In both movies, too, were weak. It wasn't their best stuff on either cast, in my opinion. So, you know, I'm not saying which one is worse or better or whatever. It just just both movies were frustrating for me, and that's why I guess you can surmise that from my conversation here very interesting well i have a couple of thoughts about the story so for for star trek 5 like i said i mean i think there are things that i like i like the humor i like you know the arc of cyborg and all of that stuff but like at the very beginning of the movie when when you see like there's all this drama about cyborg and this guy and he's going to take his pain Unfortunately, I actually laugh at that because it just seems like so overdone. And there's a lot of things within Star Trek V that seem kind of overdone. And especially in the God scene, some of the things at the end. So I feel like there was great ambition there. And I love like the core of it that's about how you deal with your pain and how that affects your life. And all of those kinds of things are great. But I thought that it, it was kind of, yeah, just poorly executed. But I do love, you know, like the camping scenes and all that kind of stuff I think is is really great. But I was just disappointed by a lot of it in the execution. I feel like the stuff on Nimbus 3 is just kind of silly. Like, okay, you know, uh, Kirk and <laughs> Spock and McCoy are going to get some horses and storm in and hope they can, you know, get those ambassadors back. It, I, I don't know. There's just a lot of stuff in there that doesn't work for me. Like Nemesis, I feel like, that there's actually some some strong stuff it's i mean it's interesting to see like more of romulus and the romulans and the remans and all of that stuff and i think they're building up to something that's interesting and even though you know shinzon doesn't really look like picard like if i if i get past that it is interesting to think about how your formative experiences affect you and how where you grow up, even if you have the same DNA, can completely affect your life. I really love that stuff. Um, and I think there's a lot of really great things. I, I wish they would have done more with someone like Donatra that's like a really sympathetic Romulan. So I think there's a lot of good things, but it just, yeah, it does get a little silly with how Shinzon keeps trying to get Picard and he slips through his fingers and all that stuff. And I have quite a few problems with it, but there is actually a lot that I in, joy i mean maybe i i don't like it as much as amy but maybe more than you guys do um but it's interesting to talk about because there's definitely problems with these stories but i think we can find things that we really really like about them as well okay can i ask can i ask you guys about a couple yeah. of missed opportunities that i thought yeah, might yeah have go worked, ahead and if, if you guys thought you might have liked to have seen these i think a nemesis right is there is the romulans Finally, right? We at least we thought, and then became more of the Remans. So the Romans get screwed again because they were supposed to be in Star Trek Three, and they got changed to Klingons, et cetera, et cetera. But if you're gonna be on Romulus, Spock, could we have seen Spock at some point? You know, he's supposed to be there doing something. We could have seen Sela, you know, maybe Tomalock. Like any, would you guys have liked to see any of these Romulan characters pop up, or, or would you have thought that that's just too reaching back too far at this point in the in the movie franchise for characters? Yeah, I think with the time frame, it just would have been too much fan service, and I don't think I would have appreciated it. That's I, interesting. I don't know. I think it would like 
Oh, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> I, I mean, I actually, I kind of like that idea. Uh, just, this, just, I mean, it doesn't have to be like an entire plot, uh, you know, bait or surrounding them, but just like a mention, like, oh, the, you know, um, in the time of Sila, you know, we lost our way sort of thing or whatever, you know, I, I actually like that idea um, that um, he would, um, you know, call back to the past of Romulus. So, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. What do you think about that idea, Haley? Yeah, I'm kind of more with Amy. I don't think that it would have added anything to to the story um, in itself, having any of those characters, and I'm not talking about Sila. <laughs> Fair enough. Ken, is that something you would have liked to have seen? I don't think it would have been able to work if you had been watching Deep Space Nine and the Robulans were fighting the Dominion at the time. There, there was a lot of stuff that happened between... When Sela was in it, Tomalak, all the, those those guys go way way back. So you know, I keep thinking of all those destroyed you know Romulan ships in season seven of DS Nine. <laughs> they're, they're on those, right? <laughs> yeah, they could have been. You know, and even that that whole Reman piece about being used as com- cannon fodder and all that stuff would have been more interesting to kind of go down that road a little bit more to kind of understand the how the Romulans participated. But you know, you kind of got the feeling at the D- at the end of DS Nine that. You know, they they were coming together a little bit more. And so I think if you brought back those characters, it, it would have been more of a leap. Just from a continuity, you know, Star Trek being on a linear line, right? No alternates and all that crap. Um, it's just, it, it <laughs> to me, it wouldn't have worked very well. So, you know, and from Amy's perspective, it's just like, if the movie's perfect, don't mess <laughs> with it. Why change it? Why change yeah, it? I, so. I guess the, the main one I was thinking of would be Denise Crosby coming back. If this is going to be the last TNG movie, she could have been the Denatra role. You know, Sila could have been that character. Like, to me, that's a very easy switch. The other ones I see, it gets kind of complicated and like, you know. But how many people really liked that role? I, I don't find a lot of fans liked her I think it's, in that. It's, I hate it's it. It's fine. I, I, I don't mind it too much, but like, I mean, she was showed to be pretty inept with what yeah, happens yeah, in unification. Yeah, she would have been executed so like, by the Romulans after two major yeah, fails. Yeah. <laughs> but but I, I want to talk about it for a minute because, Zach, I think one of the things that could have been interesting and one of the things that I've wanted to see since unification was to see like the progress of the work that Spock would do there and actually coming close to that actual unification and what that would have... I don't know how exactly it would have been framed, but I would have liked to see that movie and actually... I know I mentioned the novels a lot, but it continues in the novels. Spock is doing his work on Romulus. And of course, in 2009, he's still there by 2387. But I think that could have been an interesting element because like that, there was that, I felt like there was that whole potential of the unification between the Vulcans and the Romulans and how that would just change everything in, in the quadrant and how there would be the opportunity for just, I don't know, greater understanding or so i don't i'm not a movie writer but but i I like the idea it sounds like most other people don't but well it's too bad both both romulus and uh, vulcan are gone so it doesn't matter (laughs) 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 they're they're not they're not both gone in the same universe well done well done (laughs) romulus is gone in the prime universe yeah right and vulcan's gone in the kelvin universe Mm-hmm. So there'll be no unification. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I was just hoping for a nemesis, like there's unification, and unfortunately, eight years later, Romulus blows yeah. up. So, yeah, and not to yeah. tease you, Justin, but that's where I was going, right? If if there was a way that Shinzon would have aligned, that would have been Star Trek, 
That that would have been the essence of Star Trek, with the villain being more sympathetic, going in a direction you don't expect instead of the typical trope. And so I agree with you. This movie lost a great opportunity. I would like to see that, Ken. I Yeah. I thought Nemesis was perfect. That would oh! no no no. It's just fine, but adding that twist, I agree with Ken. You know, it, it okay. would even take it a step further, higher than it already is. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen the Viceroy rebel, and then it becomes a battle for the right reasons. That's that would have been really interesting, actually. I yeah, I like it. And I think the first time I saw Nemesis, I thought maybe that's where they were going because Shinzon seemed like he was kind of a little more sympathetic or curious, but no, he had to just go for it all the way. So it's interesting. You you talk about missed opportunities, uh, Zach, for, for Nemesis. Like what, what do you think were the missed opportunities for Final Frontier? Well, you could have gone anywhere after Star Trek four. You had a new ship, blank slate, right? But then they kind of immediately, like they could have picked up like, kind of like Beyond picks up, like, hey, we're out in space doing our mission, right? Five could have been that uh, because they assumedly like, went on a new adventure after after Star Trek Four, but instead we're in space dock. The ship's broken, you know, stuff like that. Uh, I just that that's a pretty. I don't like that trope of like, yeah, the Enterprise doesn't work, right? Let's. Well, I'd like to see a fully. That bothers formed... me a lot. Yeah, me yeah. too. Star Trek Five. It's like really like the Federation is not going to to you know have their ship up to specs when they send it out. You got to have your ship together. We've said that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Quite yeah, true. just because they needed Kirk doesn't mean they needed the Enterprise. Just put them on one of these other ships. It's the only ship in Rage. It's the only one we got. Like, that is such a bad trope of all the movies. Well, well, they didn't it, say it, it in this no, one, No, they though. didn't say it was the only one in Rage. They said it's the only one with an experienced commander. Yeah, because we can't Which just put like, him over on the Excelsior what? or something. Yeah, right? exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there isn't, like, another ship, like, oh, just send him over to the one that works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I yeah, it, it, it's weird because, like, uh, I, I wish they had maybe done just more depth to the Klingon story. I don't know what that would have been, but, like I said, it was just so generic. Like, you could have done something more with that and uh it, it, but it, but spock's uh spock having a brother never really bothered me you know I, I know a lot of people are like if you just take that out it's like oh well it's way better i'm like well why i don't really that's uh, we keep talking about retcons didn't really bother me uh, him having a brother so no what bothered me about it was that they took so long in the movie to reveal it it's like mm-hmm. and when you're rewatching it you're like they're gonna come to the point where he says it's his brother. <laughs> That's true. It's only like thirty minutes left or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it strange to all of you that just across all of Star Trek, right? And I know we're always watching a show with the main characters, but you know, you have a bartender who's you know related to the president of this world, or it has to be Spock's brother versus a. I mean, for such a huge universe, it's really tiny. Not <laughs> as tiny as the Star it, Wars yeah. universe, though. Yeah. No. But, no. Yeah, but but I mean, it is it is a they do make it to be a small universe. I mean, one of the things that's interesting in First Contact is Picard says Federation is 150 planets across 8,000 light years, which is a huge distance, and we don't really see anything that's like all the way at the other end of the Federation and whatever is going on over there because it's got to be quite different, right? Um, and who knows how big it is in Kirk's time, but I think that would have been interesting. Something happening on the very edge of the Federation. Well, we get that in Nemesis. They're right there on the Romulan border. Yeah, but it's but 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 Romulus is is not like four thousand light years from Earth or the center of the Federation. I'm talking about something like way at the other end, 
where you could see what's going on over there might have been interesting. So I think in TOS they said it was ten thousand planets and growing. Did they really? Yeah. Yeah. Space Central said that, Ken. I think the space United Central. Earth Space Probe Agency is 10,000 planets. <laughs> but it was, whatever planets. it was, but it was 10,000 <laughs> planets and, and um, growing. So it was just interesting, yeah. Well, yeah. You, you mentioned missed opportunities, Justin. Mm-hmm. Special effects. That would be my yeah. answer. <laughs> yeah. I wish Huge. ILM was available to do them. Well, you know, I was reading about it, and was it that they weren't available, or for some reason they decided they thought... I had read that they thought that, um, that ILM was too expensive or something like that but anyway for well, whatever reason as i understand they were working on they were working on indiana jones uh and then and then the next warehouse was like working on like ghostbusters 2 and then somebody else is working on batman so like you go down the list there's like no one left <laughs> to, to do the special yeah. effects and they just found some guy that shatner did a commercial with or something yeah and but like is. i guess a question is like would that have really made the movie a lot better because i mean i think nemesis has pretty good special effects and lots of people have problems with it right that's an excellent point i don't i don't think it's a deal breaker but it's like it's just a culmination of all these things yeah. where it's like well this 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 and the special effects are bad you're like oh but you're right ultimately like with all star trek it comes down to the story and can, can i say something about nemesis though uh versus i'm gonna something rare i'm gonna sing the praises of generations here the stellar cartography <laughs> set you know was amazing and generations uh, it's Cerebro before X-Men, Patrick Stewart, it all ties together, right? I mean, that's what it looks like. Uh, big 367, this awesome chair and moving panels, uh, display panel. And then you, you fast forward to Nemesis, and it's like some leftover room from the Voyager set that they redressed, you know, and it's and it's very disappointing compared to what you saw in Generations. Uh, but hey, Star Trek V had the same problems. Like, they're on the Enterprise D. <laughs> like they're running through the hallways of the Enterprise D. Engineering looks like the Enterprise. That's true. D, although so. that, I mean, aren't, weren't those corridors modified from what was in the motion picture? Damn right, yeah. they were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's they started out as TOS corridors. So I can kind of be, but I'm a little distracted. I'm like, is is Data gonna walk down the hall or something? <laughs> Riker's know? gonna come out of the, the door. Yeah. <laughs> Throw a few so, pipes out. I know. think I think at uh, Star Trek Six, uh, Nicholas Meyer really hid and redressed the sets far better than Shatner did in mm-hmm. five. So anyway, yeah, so yeah, yeah. We, these, these movies all have very similar issues to them, but, uh, but I, that's, that's a stark comparison because that was such a big deal in generations. Cause it's like, remember in, in lessons, right. in TNG where you see stellar cartography, it's a little room, right. With a little thing in the middle of it. And then we're like, Oh gosh, gosh, we got a motion picture budget. we got this awesome set. And then three movies later, we're back to this little room. <laughs> But uh, with Picard and Data talking in it, it so. still looked really, really beautiful. Though I mean, compared to what they could have done, I mean, they could have not shown it at all because you know why would you want to? So I was so glad that they actually included that in there. And to you, Justin, I was going to say something before Zach chimed in. You wanted to see something going on on the other side of you know of Federation space. It's called the Gamma Quadrant, and the wormhole aliens don't let people in or out. <laughs> Wormhole aliens, you're a non-believer. The prophets. Alien. Uh, well, that's not technically know, the other side of Federation it, space because it's not part of the Federation, but... <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know, I see. That could could get dangerous. So I think we're at about an hour here. What what I actually wanted to do was to, to go around and have everyone talk about something maybe they'd like to talk about that didn't come up before, and then we can go on to... Final thoughts. Does that sound good? Sounds good. All right. So, Richard, you've been a little quiet for a while. Is there, this is before we go into final thoughts, but is there something you wanted to mention that's been on your mind about these two movies we haven't talked about yet? 
Um, no, not really. I mean, I, I mean, I've said my piece. So, uh, or you, I, I'm sorry. No, no, I'm sorry. Let me take that back. Amy and Zach have said that my piece. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I, I mean, really, uh, the only thing I could really talk about in this movie is, is that you know, I, I, I really feel that they're mismatched movies. I mean, I mean, uh, be that as it may, that it might be ranked the, um, that. Um, uh, you know, in the worst Star Trek movies I'm from both series, but like it's just, I mean, I think I feel that they're mismatched and they're kind of, and one's at a disadvantage to the other. So, um, yeah, so that's just what I think. <laughs> and then on top of what Amy and Zach said, too, you know, yeah. <laughs> okay. Copy and paste. <laughs> okay. Amy, anything you'd like to mention that hasn't come up about these two movies so far well i think we did i did say that i like the score but i'm gonna mention it again the score of nemesis is so amazing i love the opening when they're in the romulan senate i love when data's flying across i mean that is it opens up earl gray is is it does yeah (laughs) yeah so um i can listen to nemesis over and over and over again and it was funny when i was watching the final frontier and the end credits, you know, yeah, TOS, but that was the TNG theme song, you know? And so I'm like, oh, it's just so weird because I always relate that to TNG and here it is closing out the final frontier, but that's neither here nor there. But that's, you know, again, this dichotomy that I always have with that theme song because I so associate it with TNG. So I really wanted to point out that the score is is just amazing amazing the special effects you guys were talking about incredible here we are we're fighting this huge scimitar who's cloaked the majority of the time and they're trying to find it and the Romulan warbirds are coming and they're trying to find it and just sort of the strategy that they have you know where Shinzon's like bring in Denatra's ship in Valara, the Valara coming in closer and then they get it on the underbelly. Like that's just some really good strategic, you know, battles in space. I thought that was good. I generally don't pay that much attention to the, you know, the battles, like obviously some of you guys do. Um, but I just thought it was so, so good when you're seeing the enterprise E just, she is beautiful, slick and going and, the this the scenes like the space scenes and you've got this beautiful I mean I don't, you don't call it a sunset but you know what I mean like when they're going in space and you see it, it's just like looking through the Hubble telescope you know like those type of pictures like those are some amazing like I had a couple of them uh, screenshot on my computer just because they're so beautiful uh, the special effects in Nemesis just really really is good. Um, I will say I don't like the, the Shinzon's number two and that Riker fight that totally throws it off for me. And, you know, he's going down to the depths. Why do we have a catwalk? Why we've never seen this before? <laughs> Why can you fall way down? Yeah, to you know, <laughs> I, I didn't like that but one thing with the final frontier sort of similar like when uh they're having to climb up and Spock gets those boots 
Okay, enough with the boots. I that totally took me out. And so then they rocket up, <laughs> and I'm like, really? How many? Fire the rockets! <laughs> so it's sort of the Go up to opposite. Deck you know, they're flying up <laughs> twice. And twice. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, there's too much vertical change within these ships that I just didn't. In both of them, I did not like either. It didn't think it was done well. Um. So I. Th- think yeah that's about the things again i oh, there's just so many good things about so, nemesis. i know we you could have your own nemesis podcast every week <laughs> <laughs> so yeah those are a couple things i wanted to mention okay those excellent. are good ones though yeah mm-hmm. so uh ken things you wanted to mention I, I think amy captured most of it i i don't think there was anything more to mention and Maybe my synopsis went a little bit long. Um, I will say that one of the things that we got out of Star Trek V that made its way onto Standard Orbit was the definition of hee-hee-funny and ha-ha-funny. <laughs> classic. It was classic, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> oh, I have one more. Can I just interject? Yeah. yeah, go ahead. So on the final frontier, again, more... I didn't understand this God character. Like, I didn't think we got any closure. Like, is he this alien? Is he this person? (laughs) Is he, like, what is he? And why does he get destroyed? And how does he get destroyed? Because he gets shot? Is it a person? Does anyone know who's read the novelization, if it's explained? I I read the novelization and went through it somewhat recently, but it's an entity. It's an alien entity, which is also very Star Trek-ish, right? And um, I guess one of the things that should be mentioned, Cybok, you know, he's Vulcan, so he has telepathic powers or whatever. He was really hearing from this being and was really being pulled and being deceived and thinking that it was God you know, that it was, you know, Shakari, that that's, you know, the Vulcan yeah. heaven and all of that other stuff. And he was being pulled in so that this thing could escape and do very bad things. But how long has that entity been there? Is it like it just got there recently and found Cybok's mind or it just got bored after a well, while? For an, he has been in prison there for an eternity. Yes, an eternity is all we hear. Uh, now, yeah. I, so Justin, you might get here at some point in your novel reading, but I believe they talk about this creature in the Q Continuum trilogy. Yes. I read that, and I didn't remember did, about did that. Did they talk about him in there? <laughs> well, I don't. I haven't read those did, books myself, but I was in understanding, I, like, they mentioned him somewhere in one of these Q novels, so. Oh, I didn't, I thought about that, because I read it, because I was on Literary Treks, I read that trilogy, mm-hmm. Um but I didn't think that he was one of those characters, because it didn't seem like he was powerful enough. Okay. So I I made the connection. I was like, oh, yeah. And then I dismissed it saying that wasn't it because it didn't seem like the final frontier, like he was powerful enough, like one of those yeah. mentioning in the book. You you couldn't destroy one of the Q with just like torpedo. a photon torpedo. So. And what was up with his beard? That was so Wizard of Oz lion. Well, it, was, it, was what, uh, it was what the general acceptance of what God looks like, you know. Or a god, yeah, whatever. Yeah, it totally reminded me of the lion from Wizard of Oz, though. <laughs> it did, uh, yeah, yes, yeah. it really did. Yes, yeah. <laughs> did have a lionish beard. That was Admiral Murdoch, by the way. Yes, or, no, I'm was. sorry, George Murdoch, Admiral Hanson, Admiral, Admiral Hanson. Murdoch. Yeah, Admiral <laughs> Hanson. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, of course, now I've lost track, but I think we got Richard and Amy and Ken. <laughs> so, Zach, things you want to add? 
Yeah, I, uh, yeah I, talking about the decks, I guess both these movies have problems with deck consistency. Even First What's Contact. What's the problem in Nemesis? Did. Well, because, okay, so in First, it's kind of a First Contact problem that becomes a Nemesis problem because in First Contact, Lily's like, how big is this ship? He, he's like, well, it's 24 decks, right? And then security officer tells Worf, they control decks 26 up to 11. And then you go to Nemesis and they're like- the Two secret decks. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's even more secret decks because it's like, we have intruder alert on deck 29. I'm like, how big is this ship? Can we get some continuity here? But Star Trek V, much, much worse. Decks. <laughs> yeah. I'm but like, yeah. But but Star Trek, I mean, even if you take into account, like, maybe it could be big enough to have 78 decks, the top one should be one. I, oh, I agree. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Egregiously worse. Egregiously and, worse. And if, and if you watch it, it's like it goes to 52, 64, and then 52, and then 77, 78, 78 again. <laughs> yeah, those again. numbers were not making sense in my head. No. Absolutely unacceptable. Oh, no, yeah. Nobody's head, except Bill Shatner. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, and then I, ultimately, you know, I, I didn't, the last thing I'll, I guess I'll, I'll say here is like Shenzon's plot just I, it didn't make sense to me because if you think about it, so many things had to happen so perfectly for f- to, to have it un- unfold as it did. Like, so they found B4 somewhere, they took him apart, they laid him on this planet, they set off his podgetronic transmitter, the Enterprise happened to be close enough to pick up on it, they go, they, they pick up piece by piece by piece. Luckily, they found them all, <laughs> uh, you know. Slaughter aliens. Na- natives on the planet start shooting at them. They kill all them. Uh, dri- <laughs> kill all them. <laughs> Pat- Patrick Stewart likes driving cars, so they gave him his Argo sports car to drive around. He in. had a big smile on his face. He did. He did. That's the happiest <laughs> I've ever seen Picard in my entire life. In his entire life. <laughs> and Data's um, a backseat driver. Yeah, Data's yeah. a backseat. Dwarf has the giant cannon on the back. You know, as if you go down to any uh, you know pre warp civilization, have your car with a giant cannon on the back. So, then, so then they put. B four together, then they you know, then they end up going to Romulus. B four has to like hack all the data, then go to the scimitar, all this back and forth. Just uh, there's a lot of you know a lot of variables that could have interrupted this plan. So anyway, it's just very convoluted, basically with B four. Um, yeah, I can see that. So it's it's convoluted. Cybok, hey, get a ship, go to the center of the galaxy. Very straightforward, you know, not convoluted at all. Makes perfect sense to me. Uh, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, but ultimately, yeah, both these films far sh- fall short of what their aspirations were. Uh, much like Shinzon fell short of the aspiration of being Picard. I don't know. I'm just trying to tie it together there. But <laughs> I, 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 you know, and it's all Star Trek, right? So I do enjoy them all in various degrees. Uh, I, both based off both these conversations, I've I've had an interesting revelation that I like stupid humor in Star Trek movies. I guess I didn't realize I did so much. But uh, anyway, yeah, it's the TNG crew and. You know, I, I I wish they had all got more to do. Doctor Crusher again has nothing to do. Like, what does she do in this movie? Because you might remember, like, yeah, she she, f- she realizes Shinzon's problem and it explains it to us. Oh, she got me on that one, guys. Yeah. But okay, but yeah, but, <laughs> but that's it. Like, she has that one scene of exposition, right? Like, yeah. just give her something else to do. And Gates McFadden's a good actress, and that, but that's a, that's great. a TNG movie problem yeah. in general. So I would like to see more of that. But at least she didn't get like you know. Uh, do a fan dance or something like Uhura. So I'll take I'll Gosh. take her having one exposition scene to whatever happens there in in Star Trek Five. So yeah, I mean we've all talked so much, we've all pretty much much covered. It. I think that's. I just wanted to mention that completely convoluted Rube Goldberg style plan that shits on that. Yeah, yep, I could see that. Well, you were going point by point. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pe- sounds perfect to me. <laughs> Shinzon is just that brilliant a tactician. He is. <laughs> As we know, so, Picard is a great diplomat. Like, see, they're the same. All right, so uh, Haley, things you'd like to add? Uh, yeah, you know, and I talked about this before, but I think 
I think a lot of why Star Trek V suffers is because it's come off of Star Trek IV. Mm-hmm. So, um, and everyone else has kind of hit on some other stuff that, that I would, you know, talk about. I agree the Klingon subplot of, of five is, it doesn't necessarily even need to be there. It could have not been there at all, or it could have been there, but been more. And, and that would have added more to it. Um, one thing with, uh, Nemesis, I wanted to hear, uh, squeaking sounds every time Shinzon moved or walked. Because his uniform <laughs> looked like it would squeak every time he would move. <laughs> like it, I don't. Know. It did squeak. You could a, hear it. a little bit, but like I mean, I wanted like full out like squeaking. I don't know because there just to hear that? there wasn't <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't enough. Um, and and does humor doesn't have to be in everything, but at the same time, I don't know. There just needed to just be a little bit just to lighten stuff. I know we get it with kind of like the opening scene with the wedding, and then. Picard smiling ecstatically when he's driving the the space buggy, but I don't know. That would have that would have made it. It would have been great. <laughs> okay. Well, before we get to all of our final thoughts and see which ones we'd prefer, um, I had a couple of things I wanted to add. So I think we talked about it a little bit, but in in Star Trek Five, um, I think the scene with McCoy where he's reliving what happened to his father and the terrible decision that he had to make is one of the, I think one of the best things that scenes that you see for McCoy and anywhere that he's in Star Trek. And that one just always really stands out for me. It's really powerful. Something else, a criticism that happens for Nemesis that we actually didn't talk about is the violation of Deanna Troy, which always bothers me. And but something on top of that that bothered me is so out of character for Picard is she's had this happen. You know, Shinzon's had this violation and she says, well, can I be relieved of duty? And Picard says permission denied. And then instead of saying something like, we're going to see what we can do to stop all of those assaults from happening. So you don't have to withstand that and all of that. He actually says, if you can endure more of these assaults, I need you by my side now more than ever. That seems so incredibly out of character for Picard, and I hate that line. Mm. So we didn't mention that, but I just want to point it out because especially this time I was like, that is not what Picard would say. Like, oh, endure some more violations because I need it. (laughs) You know? Yeah, it was very Then he gets beamed away, but Yeah. yeah. Well, and then I think Marina Sturgis as the actress, though, saw that her, she got, she ended up using that, Troy ended up using that to their advantage at the end to find the ship. So that kind of justified it. Like as far as, I know Marina Sturgis has talked about it, you know, she didn't, that's, mm. you know, where, where she, she, you know, uses it to, to their advantage at the end. But I, I 100% agree with y'all. Because but she's then violating cool. the mind I, of the Reman. <laughs> yeah. No, but, no, yeah. I, I get it. But, but that, that connection ended up serving the plot at the end for them to find them. But I 100% agree with y'all. I do not, I do not agree with Picard's command decision there either. I, I wouldn't use the word justify either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I think she got her revenge, but it wasn't justified. Yeah, her going through it, in my opinion, okay, because yeah, she does use it, and there is that connection, and she finally figures out how to, you know, flip the script on that. But Picard's reaction there really should not have been at all, and part of the dialogue at all, because it it's not what he would have said or done. But it's canon. Goodness. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he did it. 
All right. So I think we've talked about a lot of things for these two movies, Final Frontier and Nemesis. But let's go around with final thoughts and see which one you prefer. Oh, what? So, no, it's which one yes. is worse. Which one is worse? Because we did which one is best. Oh, worse? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so you want to do which one is worse? So we are saying the All one right. we think is worse. Okay. Yes. Okay. We can we can do it that way. So Richard, how about you go first? Oh, why do I have to go first? Because <laughs> you've been sitting back there not saying anything for a while. <laughs> I, I'm holding my tongue. I was like on some of that. Um, but it's like watching Step Brothers watching Richard, right? Because you got the Wookiee mask. Now you've got the Klingon mask coming off and on. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so, like I said before, and I've said twice now um and here's the third time they're terribly unmatched um but if you had to match them but if i had to match them and we were choosing which one's the worst i'm gonna have to go with nemesis (gasps) we need a new co-host on earl gray choosing wrath of khan yesterday and now choosing nemesis right now oh my goodness applicants please send in your resumes Amy, do you need your pain? <laughs> I, the reason why is, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like, I really like Nemesis. It's it's a really good film. I'm not saying that it wasn't, uh, it wasn't the worst. Uh, well, I, I guess it did. It's actually not the worst. So technically it's not the worst. The film that will now be named is the worst for me. But if I had to choose out of these two, it would be Nemesis, mainly because the Final Frontier is a very Star Trek movie. Regardless if there's any plot holes about, uh, in, in you know anything about um, or uh, any plot holes in, in, in uh, the Final Frontier, I mean it is your classic Star Trek movie. I mean they're talking, they're answering questions, talking about questions that you know that were in the series. I mean in both TNG and also TOS, and it's just to me Nemesis is flair that's all it is it's just oh we're gonna slap a movie together and and you know we're gonna it's gonna be um you know picard's you know a picard movie or whatever you want to call it but like getting down to the uh to the uh to what it what truly is star trek final frontiers is exactly what true star trek or at least to me it is true star trek is or should be in a movie it, by the plot that is maybe not maybe not how it was executed maybe it would it would have been better if it, uh, if it was executed a little bit better but the story overall it to me is it's more star trekky so all right so amy tell us why star trek 5 is worse well, <laughs> <laughs> oh well i was gonna say why nemesis is better of course um and I am. I'm sorry. Uh, just going off with what Richard was saying, if I look at the themes of Nemesis, to me, that is more Star Trek. Nature versus nurture. Who are you at your core? We are Starfleet. Um, we want to be better. We are going to improve ourselves. We're going to take our disadvantages and turn them into advantages. And we're going to progress. And And even if you were raised in a dilithium mine you have the choice right here right now to be better and i love that and we see it in before we see it in data you know and data gives a great thing it's like you know even if you do have the same dna before has the same things but you know i 
choose to be better, you know, and it's so true. And I just think that is the essence for me for what Star Trek is of having this idea that we can be better even right now, even with all of our mistakes, all of our past, like Shinzon had made all these choices and Picard still chose to believe that he could be better. I just think that is to me, Star Trek. I love the themes in Nemesis. I think it's great. There's good things in the final frontier, as I mentioned, but I just, the final frontier is a worse movie for me. All right. Ken, your thoughts. I don't think Amy and I saw the same movie. <laughs> I really don't. And, and Amy, I'm not even being sarcastic in this, in this aspect. Everything you just said is Star Trek, and I didn't see any of that in wow. Nemesis. I didn't. They, uh, every time they had an opportunity to be better, they were worse. Okay? Shinzon, B4, they both failed. Even their own Starfleet, you know, um, ethics and values, especially when they went down to that planet. I thought that was horrible what they did. And and I think the Final Frontier and Nemesis both both are hurt by the same thing. You had William Shatner, who was running the Final Frontier, who took a concept that was difficult to put on film and he didn't execute it well. Um, thematically, family and all that other stuff, that's Star Trek. Um, the bad guy isn't really a bad guy. That's Star Trek. Uh, in Nemesis, the bad guy was the bad guy. The bad robot was the bad robot. So I, I, I don't see what you're saying there. It just doesn't connect to me. And I'm, I'm trying to follow what you're saying, and I can't. But where I say they both failed is, I think Shatner, in his ego, uh, did not make... They didn't put together a very good script, put together a good concept, but not a good script. And I think Spiner and Patrick Stewart really just went too far with Nemesis. It became their show. Their acting was much, much worse than it was in the other theaters. And that's what really bothered me about it, because you, I love these guys and I love these characters. And it became their show again. And it was over the top. You know, when and that, that part in Nemesis where they're saying, you know, we've been sitting here for 72 hours. That's how I felt um, <laughs> watching that movie. Nice. And I, I just did. And, and it's not because it's not a TNG TOS thing. It really isn't. I was very disappointed in The Final Frontier because I wanted that movie to kick ass. And I was very disappointed in, in Nemesis because I wanted it to kick ass and it and it failed on more levels. And I would only say the reason I would prefer maybe the final frontier over nemesis was maybe pacing was the other piece of it i just felt it was a slog to get through nemesis with a payoff that really wasn't there and um you know if you're going to kill a main character do it right um i i even think bringing spock back to a degree was a cheat you know uh, i'm glad they did but it was a cheat because it took away from the wrath of khan Having B4 there and just being, you know, I was thinking like, oh, geez, now Brent Spiner will, if they made another one, and I wish they had so that they could have the proper goodbye, um, his ego was getting carried away movie after movie. And I will say that Nemesis is not the worst, okay, of the of the movies. I don't think it is. And I don't think The Final Frontier is the worst of the movies either. But um, compared to both, I, I would take The Final Frontier. But for the reasons I said, not because, you know, it's... It's a homage to TOS, but that's how much Nemesis really, really bugged me. All right. So as you were talking about that, you know, William Shatner co-wrote Star Trek V and Brent Spiner co-wrote 
nemesis. So is there a lesson there that you shouldn't have people that star in it co-write the stories? Well, <laughs> Leonard Nimoy did a great job in three and four. Oh, and, that's and, true. That's and true. six. And, and Simon six. Pegg but did you know what? Simon Pegg did but what is, Yeah, but what is, what is Nimoy known for? Humility. He was really known for humility. He was a very caring person. And I'm not to say that Stuart and Spiner weren't. But the more powerful they got in directing things, it they, they 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 spun insurrection on its ear, and they did the same thing. I think in Nemesis. Okay. All right. Very interesting. Uh, Haley, your thoughts, and I think I know which one you think is worse. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> she looks like she's getting ready to duck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, you know, with these two, the worst for me, it is going to be Nemesis. I. There's too many, too many plot holes. There's too much. Again, like Ken kind of was saying that there were there were ways that they could have taken the story instead, and that would have been a much more enjoyable movie and a better movie. And you still would have gotten the elements I think that Amy talks about about being better and bettering herself and stuff like that. We still could have had that aspect of the Federation coming in and maybe trying to stop. Chinzon from destroying Romulus and whatever other planets and and Picard still would have been able to say hey you know you need to better yourself why are you doing we still could have had all of that but in a better written film five yes I will agree that there are plot holes um, and things that I I don't enjoy about it but there's so much that I do enjoy about it and I love and you had said, Justin, about with Bones and, and the parts and that that he gets. And it's just, I don't know, it feels really comfortable. Like it's a warm pair of slippers and, you know, soup and whatnot on a cold day kind of thing. And I would pick that one. I'd pick five over Nemesis. So, yeah, it's going to go to Nemesis for me. Okay. Zach, on to you. So Nemesis is the weaker of these two films, in my opinion. I think ultimately, like Ken was saying, it, the TNG movies kind of devolved into this Picard and Data show. And I understand Patrick Stewart, the best actor, okay? And the captain. Makes perfect sense for him to be lead. Brent Spiner, excellent actor as well. Data, the runaway success fan favorite character of TNG. Uh, and then, the, you know, a really interesting character too, you know, being an android and all that. So I, I get why the movies gravitated towards them. It, you know, Generations, fine. First Contact, it made sense with the Borg connection, cybernetics, and then the data, and then, of course, Picard's history with the Borg. Then you get into Insurrection and Nemesis. Like, this would have to be about them all the time because TNG was more of an ensemble show. So, you know, it, the the movies needed to reflect them better, and I don't feel like the movies represented the show as well. Um, you flip over to Star Trek V. Star Trek V, like I said, I think it represents TOS better than any of the other movies. Like Richard was saying, like that's what Star Trek, you know, is and what it's what it what it's doing. And I just I don't know. I what I come down to really is, you know, Stuart Baird directed Star Trek Nemesis. He was not a Star Trek fan. He thought Worf wasn't uh, you know, he thought Worf's voice wasn't deep enough. So Worf's voice is is uh, Michael Dorn's voice is mechanically lowered. And Nemesis, is that right? wow. yeah, is watch it, really? it again. You'll notice. I never heard that. Yeah, when you watch it again, and with that knowledge, you're like, "Oh, you're right," because he sounds like this. You know, even though he does have a deeper well, voice. And isn't Stuart Baird the one that thought that Jordy was an alien? He thought Jordy was an alien, <laughs> and he called him Laverne instead of Lavar. Uh, and <laughs> no. I, honestly, I, I feel. I mean, yeah, this is this is crazy stuff. I I want there to be a book about you know <laughs> making him such a Nemesis one day. H- had Jonathan Frakes directed this 
oh, material. Yeah. I think we had a much better film. Um, it's it's unfortunate that you know for for a final journey of the next generation, this is what we got. You know, Nicholas Meyer. Uh, you know, had a love for the characters and the franchise by the time he did Star Trek VI, so he understood what made it work, what didn't, you know, based off his experiences on two and four. Uh, Stuart Bear, this is just a just another job for him, you know? And, you know, the, he, hey, he's a director, it's Hollywood. I mean, he's mainly an editor, actually. He hasn't directed that many films. He's, he's a prolific editor, but that doesn't always translate to being a great director, and I think that that's a huge weakness because, you know, directors, five William Shatner, you know, uh, they leave their stamp on the films, and these are the, the, weak, the weakest films here. Um... You know, uh, and uh, and bottom line, had I think we will look more fondly back on five. At least I I think this is a big reason I do is because we got we got six. You know, had five been it and there was nothing else. Oh yeah, yeah. you would have been like what? You know, and that's how and that's how I feel. <laughs> We'd about be Nemesis. having the same conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yes, <laughs> it would be the nemesis. Absolutely, <laughs> it would be a lot harder. That is a great point. That is a great point. But since we got six to kind of soften the blow, we can kind of look at like this. It's like, oh, yeah, Star Trek Five, you crazy random movie in there in between <laughs> four and six. With Nemesis, it's like, it's the last one. It leaves that, you know, hanging last impression. And you, and, and they, even though they touted it as like the last one, they also they left a loophole like the, the final journey begins, right? And they have, you know, they have data being resurrected. So you could have had an 11, a 12, who knows, brought in more 24th century characters, I don't know if those movies would have been any good, but at least we would have had a shot for Nemesis not to just kind of be hanging there at the end like it does. And it's an easy target because it killed the film franchise, you know, until 09. So for seven years, we got no Star Trek movies. It didn't make a profit at the box office. It didn't even make number one opening weekend. It lost to Made in Manhattan. I mean, these are these are cold, hard, The, the sad only facts. Star Trek movie not to open at number one, right? Yes. Is that true? Yes. Is that it true? is yeah. true. Jennifer yeah. Lopez's Made in Manhattan beat it in 2002. <laughs> So, so, so there you go. I mean, and I just, I just hate to see the TNG movies in that way because they, they deserve better. They deserve it. They deserve a Star Trek six. They deserve an all good things. And, you know, Amy, I know you love Nemesis, but I think you would, I think you would agree that they deserve something, you know, like that to cap it all off. Wait, wait, wait. We could talk about that for a long time here, I'm sure. <laughs> well, <laughs> you need to flip it, right, and have me on the other end with the motion picture and any of the other shows because I'll be, I'd be sitting there like Amy right now <laughs> because <laughs> I defend it to a fault and I know exactly how she feels. It's very, very difficult when somebody uh, beats on or so, takes on something you love because they can't see it the way you do. It doesn't make her opinion any less. I'm glad. I'm glad you enjoy it. Amy, I do. I wish I, I live. I wish I loved it as much as you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we all do. All right. Well, I'll give my thoughts, even though we know that uh, Nemesis has won as the worst. But but I, I want to talk about it a, a, a little bit because, like, I it surprised me a little bit because I always thought that people thought that Star Trek Five was the worst, and I've seen definitely more love and affection for it than than I thought was there and not nearly as much for for Nemesis um, as you've heard. So a couple of things like I've talked about how I enjoy the humor in in Final Frontier. Um, I think Cybok's story and arc is very interesting. There's some very Star Trek stuff there. At the same time, there are whole portions of the final frontier that I just want to excise and get rid of. Mm. I think we've mentioned the the Klingon subplot with like the most one dimensional Klingon possible claw. That's like claw. going out there. Just, he's like <laughs> destroying a Voyager probe. And then he's like, find me something other than space garbage. It's like, okay, I could deal without all of that. And the people, the, those 
kind of representatives on the planet, like the the Romulan representative who doesn't even seem Romulan, the Klingon general who you only learn a little bit about in St. John Talbot's kind of interesting. But like, I feel like a lot of the stuff on Nimbus 3 is kind of wasted and that the really great stuff happens at Yosemite with all the camping stuff, right? That's great. There's some great stuff with Cybok, especially on the ship, the God scene. Some of it is weird, but but like what I find when I look at it is like I enjoy it, but there's probably more than half that I could just chuck right out, unfortunately, right? Then on the other side, I take a look at at Nemesis, which as I've said, I have some issues with, like the the mental violation of Troy, the thing that Picard says. It's kind of a little jumbled and weird about what's going on with, with Shinzon, and there's all this distracting stuff. However, I find myself as a, as I was watching it this last time, I was really enjoying like the first 45 minutes. I think it drags and there's some issues that I have. And I love the Troy Riker wedding. I think actually, like even though the movie as a whole is the worst TNG movie, the last parts where you're seeing the Enterprise-E and Space Dock being repaired and you're seeing Picard and B4, I actually like that part and feel like it's a pretty good send-off. Um, and, and I actually enjoy that. So there are definitely parts I don't like about Nemesis or that I want to, you know, rewrite, but I wouldn't chuck out nearly as much of it. So for me, actually, because of that, I think Star Trek V is a worse movie. Um, and I found myself enjoying Nemesis more. So there you go, Amy. I'll send you off making you happy. Oh, yay. That's two votes. (laughs) I wonder though, because I can't see, um, Justin's collar. Did you put that electronic collar you were threatening <laughs> Richard with or, or Haley with? I, I don't know. I'm wondering. Was, was that the violence that was threatened here or on Standard Orbit yesterday? No, on Standard <laughs> Orbit yesterday. That's what I was thinking. But I think you make very good points, though, Justin. You do. You do. That's, that's, that's very clear. That's, that's mm-hmm. how I feel. And it's maybe not a, a popular opinion. But, but yeah, I do feel like there's a lot of Star Trek V that's just kind of wasted and I could just do without. And there's parts of Nemesis I could do without, but not as much. So so it's interesting that from the six of us, uh, four of you agree that Nemesis is the worst, and two of us agree Final Frontier is the worst. I did a little Twitter poll, and <laughs> <laughs> just going to throw it out. Uh, the It's actually, I got 50-50. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> and I thought I was doing so good because Final Frontier was ahead. And I was like, woohoo, see, I'm right. And then people started <laughs> voting for Nemesis as the worst. And it ended up as of right now as a 50-50 draw. Oh, that's very so. interesting. Huh. And, and I wonder if there's a lot of to what Zach had said. The fact that there was a redeemable film for the original cast to go out and sign the log. And if a lot of TNG people are ticked off that they just didn't get that, that farewell that they so deserved. I mean, they were on the air a hell of a lot longer than TOS ever was. And, uh, you know, look at all of this, this whole team, except for me, we're all TNG people. You know, I all grew up on it. Mm-hmm. So I, I get it. And I think there could be anger just at the fact that they weren't allowed to have that, that the final goodbye. Yeah. yeah, that last hurrah, signing the logbook. You know, in fact, if they were to do that same scene with the Enterprise-E going into the sunset uh, at another movie, I would have loved to have seen that bridge. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Mm, yeah, that would have been great. All right, so I think we spent maybe even longer talking about this than we did the movies on Standard Orbit. But uh, before... Uh, we let you guys go. Well, thank you, Ken, Haley, and Zach for being here. So let us know where 
we can find you elsewhere online. So Haley. Yeah, thanks for having me, um, especially as a first-timer over here on Earl Grey. Uh, people can find me on the Babel Conference, and you can also find me on Twitter. I am at Trekkie01D. Excellent. And Ken, where can people find you? You can find me, Haley and Zach, and Richard in Amy's doghouse. Oh, man. I can't wait for the Babel Conference comments on this one. Anyway, um, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Boston SCPO, and of course, you'll you'll find us on uh, on the Babel Conference talking about these two very good shows. And uh, again, as my final, thanks for having for having me aboard. I, I I love joining this 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 crew. It, you guys got a great show. Excellent, thank you. And Zach, where can people find you online? As for me, you can find me every week on Standard Orbit with Ken and Haley. You can find me on Twitter at MoronZach. That's M-O-O-R-E-O-N-C-S-E-H. You can also find me hosting my own podcast, Always Hold On to Smallville, about the Young Superman show. And we're on Twitter at AlwaysMallville with one S. Excellent. Well, thanks so much again for being here, Standard Orbit crew. I'll have to have you on again sometime in the future. Trek Madness! <laughs> uh, so a preview of next week's episode, we will be talking about the TNG episode, The Wounded. So go ahead and watch that episode that we'll be discussing next week. Well, it's been so much fun talking about The Final Frontier and Amy's favorite TNG movie with the Standard Orbit crew, but that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here's what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, The Orb. All right. And as for Avery Brooks's ability to portray this mirror Cisco in a way that was believable to everyone awesome. else. I mean, it's it just, awesome. it's his personality. It's yes. like he's in a way better as a mirror it, than he is yeah. as prime, right? Continuing mission. I saw his Romulan stormbird uh, <laughs> ship, uh, which is impressive, I have to say. You know, it can a good looking ship. Yeah, yeah, it is a good looking ship. It's a good looking ship. Awesome firepower. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, 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 it is Starfleet's worst nightmare in our in our film. Uh, at least until a certain point, when St- Starfleet, uh, I guess, regroups and makes a comeback and figures out how to to beat Stormbird. To the journey. I think what I love about the Captain Proton sequence is it's such a Tom and Harry bromance thing. It's like Jordy and Data playing Sherlock Holmes on The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. It's so charming. Would you be Captain Proton or would you be Buster Kincaid if we were doing Captain Proton right now? I can't be one of the good guys. I'm sorry. You would be Arachnia. Or no, you would be um, Chaotica. I think I'd be Chaotica's henchman. Oh, okay. Yes. I see that. Yeah, because I, I don't want to be... The fully evil dude who's everybody, everybody's trying to destroy. I want to be the guy behind the evil dude. See, I could totally pop out and go, the jig is up. Yeah, you could. <laughs> Captain Proton is here. I'd be a great Captain Proton. Oh, no, I saw you more as Buster Kincaid. <laughs> oh, oh, really? I'm a Buster You're Kincaid? A Buster. Oh, man. Thanks, Suzanne. <laughs> Isn't that the way of, of things in life? You view yourself as a Captain Proton, but really you're a Buster Kincaid. <laughs> Standard Orbit. To me, Star Trek history is like Earth history. It's like, oh yeah, well in 2265, the Enterprise looked like this. That's ridiculous. That'd be like if you make a movie 
about New York in the 1950s and the World Trade Center is there. It's like, oh, well, that's wrong. That's not how it was, you know. But I have to remember that this is fiction. And we're all here to have a good time. <laughs> and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all of these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever get wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review that helps others to find our show. If you're not an Apple user, and you should be, no, I'm just kidding, uh, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, in most uh, third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us and we might read your email on the show. You can also find the network on Twitter at TrekFM and on Facebook at facebook.com slash TrekFM. So Richard, where can people contact you when you're not climbing mountains for like Captain Kirk? Oh man, I forgot to tell you guys about that. Long's Peak, I, my heart almost exploded out of my chest. <laughs> yeah, you climbed a mountain yesterday, didn't you? Yeah, I attempted attempted, we, attempted? Got, okay. we got we got to mile three and the uh the trail was so icy and i fell god knows how many times really Ooh. oh yeah it was pretty bad so uh we had to turn you needed those rocket boots <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely needed that well um you guys can find me also on the babel conference i pop in here and there and i am on twitter my handle is x ransom amy where can people contact you when you're not Toasting Riker and Troy at their wedding. Well, I will always toast them at their wedding. That's awesome. Um, I am here on the network, and I host The Edge with Patrick Devlin. That's about Star Trek Discovery, so you can find me there. I am on Twitter, at Miss Amy Nelson, but my favorite place is right here on the Babel Conference. Justin, where can people contact you when you're not sharing your pain with Cybok? Well, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. And you can also find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more, available through our special patrons' website, The Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. We'd like to take this opportunity to recognize our current associate producers, Norman Lau, Justin Ozer, Michael Huter, and Thomas Appel. Thank you so much for supporting Trek FM and especially Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Great joy and gratitude. 
I need my pain! <laughs> Things are only impossible until they're not.